Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. It's good to have you. We've been doing a series on praise. Uh, and because there's, there's a breakthrough in praise, there's ease in praise, there's the heaviness lifts off your life in praise. Uh, who's been feeling lighter since we've been praising more? Come on, Who, who's, who's, been, who's been applying this to your life? You've been speaking out praise, watching the words of your lips, declaring the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And so we, 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 are, we are pushing you, but deliberately because we are um, created to praise God, Amen. But I want to show the other side of it today, and I think this is really important. Uh, We love to make things all about us. And so sometimes we're like, oh, I don't know if I can praise. Oh, I don't feel like praising God. I don't feel like, we just did it. Why are we doing it again? Uh, I didn't get anything out of it. I'm not feeling it. It's daylight savings. It's a beautiful weekend. It's school holidays. It's a long weekend. Why are you making us praise over and over again? Can I tell you something we all need to hear? And I'm saying this to me too. It's not about you. Your praise is not about you. And in our me-centric, consumeristic, I-focused, I-gain world, we can be mistaken to think that the primary reason for praise is so that you walk in breakthrough, you walk in lightness and you walk in ease and all of that is true. But I wanna remind you today, it's actually not about you. It's about Him. See, praise and worship, which is the flow on of praise, is actually ministry to God. Do you know that? You were created to give ministry to God. Sometimes, if we're honest, me too, I forget this, and I come to church to get ministry. I mean, who came to get ministered to today? That's fine, we we did, right? But can I tell you what your primary reason for coming to church should be? Not to get ministry, but to give ministry. God created, how good is God? He created you with all joy to minister to Him. Sometimes we come and we say, God bless me. Do you know you can bless the one that has everything and knows everything and is everywhere? You were created to bless God and a God that only knows joy, that is the fullness of joy. You were created to bring joy to God. Did you know that today? You, your primary responsibility, our ultimate priority on this life is to minister to Him, to worship Him and to bring Him joy and pleasure. So this is important today as we begin. I had cute stories that I'm just not sharing. We're gonna get straight in and worship. Is that okay? So let's all just pretend to laugh because I had some funny ones. <laughs> Super, let's get straight into it, okay? Praise and worship is actually not about you. It is about His greatness. It is about His mercy, it is about His kindness and it is about His grace. Praise praise is a revelation of who Jesus is and praise is thanking Him again and again and again and again and again. Praise is thanking Him for in in awe, in reverence, in gratitude, in honour and in love. Praise is actually not about what I get. Praise is about who He is. Is it's all about Jesus. It's important we hear this because often we can just think it's for my breakthrough. 
Now it's there, I'll show you in a moment. There is an overflow that as I get in the presence of God, all of what the presence of God pours into my life. Praise is a weapon, praise is a key, praise does bring breakthrough, but the primary purpose for praise is a response to how good God is and then there's an overflow into my life. True worship is this, true worship is this. He deserves it. He is holy. He is worthy. He is the only one. When we see Him, nothing else will matter. Everything else will fade away. How do I know what I'm saying is true? Well, you simply, I taught a message on this earlier in the year, you begin at the end. When you begin at the end, if you know the end of the journey, you actually know the purpose of the journey and how to get there. So let's go to heaven for a moment, not literally, but just with the idea. In heaven, we will, in heaven, we will have a, a ceaseless activity. Our greatest joy will be to praise Him. What we will do for all of heaven, continuously and ongoingly, with all the joy we can muster, we will effortlessly worship and praise Him. Now catch this then. In heaven, is there any need? No. In heaven, is there any lack? No. In heaven, is there any sadness? No. In heaven, is there any want? No. Is there any need to break through? No. Is there any chains to drop off? No. Is there anything to overcome? No. So if we are going to spend all of eternity praising and worshipping Him, why would we be doing that if the key to praise and worship is for my breakthrough? The truth is praise and worship is not for my breakthrough. Praise and worship is for Him. It is for the Lamb of God. It's for Jesus. And there in all of eternity, we will spend in heaven. It will be worshipping and praising praising Him. It will be throne-focused, Christ-centred and presence-filled. Let me say it again. When you get to heaven, it won't be about my needs. It won't be about my feelings. It won't be about atmosphere. It won't be about hype. It won't be about my healing. It will be throne-focused, Jesus-centred and presence-filled. When we get to heaven, what will we sing about? He is my breakthrough. No, we won't. What we'll sing about shows us in Revelation. It's a good song because we need that here. But we'll sing, holy, holy, holy. Come on, say it with me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Are we in there? No. Because our praise and worship is actually not about us. It's about how holy He is. It's repeated. It's the only time it's repeated three times. It's holy, holy, holy. Never does it say love, love, love or good, good, good. Because this word is kadosh, which means separated, cut off, different. He is, when we see Him, He is so much more worthy and holy and good and majestic than we are. We won't be able to help but look at Him and not sing about what we need or how good we are or what we're experiencing we will only be able to declare how holy He is. What does it go on in verse 11? It then says, You are worthy of our Lord, you are worthy of our Lord and God to receive glory and honour and power. Sometimes we think the power is for us. There is, but let me tell you, our praise and worship first starts with Him getting all the glory and all the honour and all the praise. And if I'm honest, 
if that's what we do for all of eternity. When I was younger, I used to think, man, to be, I'd be bored. Surely, I, I, my legs get tired after 25 minutes. How, how will I do this? It's because here on earth, we, we worship through our feelings. If I say in heaven, it won't be based on your feelings. We won't be worshipping based on atmosphere. We will be worshipping based on glory. Is that when you see Him, He will be so, he, He'll take your breath away. His breathless glory, His breathtaking glory. That everything that has breath won't be able to help but praise the Lord. Which is why we're encouraged here on earth that we are to give Him literally our breath because when you see Him, He is so breathtaking that it will just automatically go to Him. There will be no band to hype you up. There won't be because the angels are singing, we will be engaged to sing. Can I tell you something? In heaven, worship and praise will be easy. It will be easy because His presence makes it easy. It is there in heaven, you will be utterly content. You will have everything you need. You won't have lack. You won't have to push through worshipping in your flesh or worshipping just in soul and emotions. But as we stand in the Holy of Holies, we'll worship in spirit. See, when you know where we begin, where we end, it actually changes how you worship here. Because what we're told and created to do here is bring heaven to earth. But it's here, here on earth, that there is a type of praise you can only ever give on this side of eternity. On this side of eternity, there is a type of praise that you will never be able to give once you go to be with the Lord. And it's this, it's that you can praise in pain. Because in heaven, you'll never have that opportunity again. It's that you'll praise in between the answer and where you are now. Is that you praise in the waiting and praise in the wanting. And here on earth, you get to praise in the loss, which means here on earth, you get to praise in faith. Because when you get to heaven, you won't require faith. You won't need faith. Because when you see Jesus, everything else fades away and you will not be able, you will not require effort. It will be effortless. So here on earth, we actually get to praise continually through our circumstances and through our difficulty and through our pain, which is why there is a blessing attached. Because Jesus said to Thomas, Thomas wanted to touch his side. He needed evidence. He needed to know and see Jesus to praise Him. So he said, you can touch me, but blessed are those that haven't even seen me and yet they believe. 1 Peter 1 talks about how the angels, it implies the angels are wondering, the angels are jealous, the angels can't understand how we worship and praise Him when we haven't seen Him. I mean, they sing forever because they live in His glory. They see His face. They know who He is intimately, yet we have to do it in faith. It is more difficult here. It does require intentionality here. It does require me to push past my flesh. It does require me to push through my soul and get to that place of the Spirit because here I do have feelings and here I don't always feel His presence. Can I say that again? You don't praise Him when you feel His presence. You praise Him because you don't always feel His presence. And if you don't always feel His presence, it doesn't make you a lesser Christian, it makes you a breathing human. 
So you have to choose to praise, which is why Hebrews calls it here in chapter 13, verse 15. It says to offer Him a sacrifice of praise. It's not easy yet always. It's not always effortless here. So it actually comes with a great reward and blessing because it was not about the reward and blessing. It was the sacrifice of pushing past myself to worshipping and focusing on Him. And His plan is that we would bring heaven to earth, that His kingdom come, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that we are not of this kingdom, but a kingdom to come, that we are living now in that new heaven and that new reality and that new world where we understand the things of heaven even though we live on the earth so we actually have to praise past our pain and through my struggle and get my eyes off me and not worry about how my body feels and what my feelings say but I worship in my spirit to get into His glorious presence where all of Jesus is known. Let me show you something really quick. Jesus talked about this in John chapter 4 and He said that we would worship in spirit and in truth. So not just in body and not just in soul, but we would worship in spirit and in truth. And of course, when it comes to truth, the truth is Jesus. Now, there is a, one day we talked about there will be in our heavenly bodies. And, but right now we live in our earthly bodies. But our responsibility as followers of Jesus is to live here on earth like we will in heaven, amen? So our role is to, in earth, in our earthly bodies, do and act like we will one day in heaven to the best of our ability. So what do I have to do with my natural body? Well, the Bible tells me that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, okay? And that I'm called to worship in spirit and in truth. So. Here my body is to act and do like I will in heaven. And the Bible says that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So let's go look at the temple for a moment as we have the last few weeks and how this connects to praise, just simply for a moment. So the Old Testament temple was a picture of you and me. It was a foreshadow of us. And if I were to do a very simple drawing of the temple today, are you doing okay? We're going to get into worship in a moment. We have these courts in the temple. And what would happen, it says in Psalm 100, that we enter His gates with thanksgiving and enter His courts with praise. So this temple is a picture of us and our spirit. And here on earth, we are to be an example or strive towards who we will be in heaven. So what happened in the temple is they would enter the gates with thanksgiving. They would enter the temple with thanksgiving. Thanks be to God, not requests, not asking, but rejoicing, thanksgiving, looking at who He was. And they would enter into what's called the outer court. Now the outer court, represents our body. It's here in the outer court that we realise this is why God asks us to clap your hands, all your people, to be able to stretch your hands up and you'd are, to jet dance, to jump, to sing, to give a shout of praise. You see, it's here. If I wanna get to the Holy of Holies, if I wanna get into the presence of God and be on earth like it will be in heaven, it starts with my body. 
This is why we say, come on, lift your hands. This is why we say, clap your hands, all your people. This is why we say, give Jesus a shout of praise. Because if I wanna be able to get to the place of worshipping in my soul and then in my spirit, I have to go through the court of the body. I have to enter His gates with thanksgiving and enter His courts with praise. So just for a moment, not for me, just for Him. Why don't you begin to praise Him with your body right now? Why don't you begin to clap your hands, begin to declare His goodness, begin to shout, God, You're so good. We worship You. There's none like You. Amen. So then, as I begin to praise Him, not just in church, but in my life, I'm choosing. Maybe it's walking. Maybe it's declaring. Maybe it's just driving along and shadow boxing the steering wheel in pump praise. You know, like, here we go, God. You're gonna do something good. Whatever it is that just begins to stir and awaken your spirit, I then continue to thank God because I go into the next court and I enter His gates with thanksgiving, enter His courts with praise. It's here I'm in the inner court and it's here I begin to worship through my soul. Pastor John prayed about it today, not even realising. We prayed for the body and then we prayed for the emotions. It's here once you praise through your physical, you then have to praise past your emotional. You have to praise past your feelings and your thoughts and your worries and your anxieties. Because the moment you begin to praise, you know what the enemy does? He starts to put those thoughts in your head. He starts to distract you. He starts to confuse you. He starts to make you feel a little bit down for a moment. He begins to bring shame. So this is where as I begin to push past my emotion, the Bible says that He comes and He inhabits the praises of His people or He enthrones, He enthrones. He comes and He sits in the presence of His people. It's here as I begin to praise Him, I get past my body and I go through my emotions and it's there, this one last court, which of course is the Holy of Holies. And it's here that I worship in spirit. You see, it's, it's there that it's effortless. We don't often get there. Often we think I worship in spirit. And I think He sees that we have a good spirit and my spirit is connecting with His. But do you remember meetings that you've been in? Well, that time in your car or when you're praying, and it's like you don't need the band anymore. You don't need anyone to tell you what to do. You don't even need to activate your body right there. You don't need to worry about anything else, but you just begin to soak in the presence of God. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's, that's a touch, it's a taste, it's a foreshadow of what heaven would be like. And He shows us that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, an example of what we can have here on earth as it will be in heaven. Do you know, as you go into the temple, there would be music here and there would be music here, but the one place they didn't require music was in the Holy of Holies because the presence of God was so, so thick. The manifest presence of God was so known that His glory would abound in such a way there didn't need to be anyone to stir you or push you or allow you to get past your emotions and your thinking and your behaviour and your body. But it was there that effortlessly you could be all consumed in the presence of God. Can I show you something? It's there that you don't require faith. The whole point of faith is to get you to a point where you don't need it where all you see is Jesus and His reality is your reality. That's when all the things of the earth begin to fade away. See, it's actually here in my body. Can I say sometimes you're like, stop pushing me. No, I'm just stirring your faith. 
Sometimes you won't have the energy. No, no, that's where faith has to overtake. The spiritual has to overtake the, take the natural. It's here where you don't feel like saying the words. It's there you've got to choose to declare. It's there as your emotion, as you start to go this way, faith can diminish a little. Your body started to be activated, but now you've got to push past your emotions and your feelings as you make a decision that I want to be surrounded constantly by the presence of God. Because in the presence of God, there is no need. In the presence of God, there is no anxiousness. In the presence of God, there is no fear. But in the presence of God, there will be one day and there can be here on earth, fullness of joy, His glory, His favour, His protection, His provision. It's there where you want for nothing and you are utterly content and it's here where you worship in spirit and in truth. And that's where God's calling us to. But how you get there is praise. Can I say there you worship, but the entryway to the Holy of Holies in the presence of God in your life is praise. Come on, who wants to be utterly content? Who wants to have no need or worry or fear or anxiousness? And I believe while we live here on this earth, we can live content in the presence of God if we constantly have praise on our lips. Amen. Maybe just the keys can come. In heaven, in heaven we'll pray without ceasing. It will be effortless. It will be a constant activity and it will be pure joy just to minister to Him. And what will happen when we do is that when we praise Him, we give all glory to God. But here on earth, if we're honest, we're discontent. And what happens is when we're discontent, instead of giving praise, the opposite to praise is we complain. Right at the beginning, what was the first thing Adam did when he sinned? He complained to God. Following sin, the first thing we did was complain. He complained to God about the woman. He said, God, what's the woman you gave me? There was no other woman to compare to. And yet he's complaining about her. He's complaining to God, you gave her to me. The moment we get away from the presence of God and we run to flesh, we begin to complain. Because I'll tell you why, you get to choose and I don't think there's much of an in-between. You're either praising in contentment for who God is or we're disappointed about where we are and it leads us to complain. When we praise, we give glory to God and this might be hard to hear. When we don't praise, we give glory to the enemy. I'll tell you why. Because Satan was created, Lucifer, for one reason. He was the chief worshipper. He was the chief praiser. And he was created for one purpose, to give glory to God. Utterly content until he started to take his eyes off God and his eyes on Him. And at that point, he wanted the glory. So now from that point onwards, He has tried to distract us, deter us, put our focus to everything else, make our bodies wearied, make our, our soul, our emotions, our feelings distracted so we would never get to the point where we worshipped in spirit and in truth. And every time I don't give glory to God, He wins because I'm taking my glory that was created to give to God and I've given it to something else. I give glory to my problems. I give glory to my difficulties because I'm discontent. But Paul, Paul in Philippians 4, I mean, Paul's writing Philippians from house arrest. Paul is probably about to be like, gone. Paul knows 
pain. Paul knows persecution. Paul knows suffering. And he says this incredible thing in Philippians 4. He says, I've known what it is to have all extremes of life, to have and not to have, to be in health and my life to be on the line. Yet he says, I've learned the secret to living. I love this. Might put it up. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Because when you're content, you give glory to God. He says, I've learned how to be content. How does he do it? Well, in verse four, he says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. He says, praise God always. When you're sick, praise Him. When you're well, praise Him. When you feel like it, praise Him. When you don't feel like it, praise Him. When you're in between, praise Him. When you're wanting, praise Him. When you're full, praise Him. When you're in lack, praise Him. When you've got everything you need, praise Him. When they're away from Him, praise Him. When they're with Him, praise Him. He says, I've learned to rejoice at all times and therefore I have a constant Ah, contentment. David had to learn this. The team can come, that can go. David wanted the presence of God in his life. He wanted the protection of God in his life. He wanted the grace of God in his life. He wanted the favour of God in his life. David wants those things. Can I say to you today, it's not wrong to want those things, but it doesn't start with us. It starts with glorifying Him. Just gotta get the order right. So David realises something. I need the presence of God in my city, in my life, in my home. So David realises back then the presence of God was found in the Ark of the Covenant and the enemy had stolen the Ark away from them. This is what the enemy does. The enemy does not want you to live in the presence of God. So he will come and try and rob the presence of God from your life. And David gets distracted, David gets busy, David gets self-focused and he learns to live without the presence of God. But once you've had the presence of God, you can't live without it. So he says, okay, I need to get the presence of God back. Except David, the first time, and I have time to tell the story today, he goes to do it his way. He puts it on a cart led by some ox. See, that's the way the world does things. Can I say, our praise, don't be mistaken. When we come into church, we praise God. But can I tell you what this team is? And I'll say in love, they're a bunch of oxen and carts. If they, if, if you think they are there to carry you into the presence of God. You see, when Sheens is up here leading, Sheens is up here worshipping God for her. They're giving you an example. They're modelling to you how to worship. They're here breaking through for them. They're here looking at Jesus. They're not here to look at you. Absolutely, we stir you and we encourage you, this leadership, but don't rely on them. Don't depend on them. Don't think they are to carry you into the presence of God. No, David realises, I don't have the presence of God in my life because I wanted something else to bring me into favour, bring me into worship, bring me into praise. So he leaves the Ark of the Covenant 
covenant at Obed-Edom's house, this farmer, and he goes back home, but he needs the presence of God. And he's wondering, what's the secret to living? So he opens up the letters of Moses and he begins to read how the Ark of the Covenant would be brought in. It wouldn't be brought in by something else or someone else. It would be carried on the shoulders of men. You see, we are responsible for bringing in the presence of God into our life. You are responsible for going to the Holy of Holies. Not me, not the pastors, not the worship team. They're there to do it for them. And we'll encourage you and we'll model for you and we'll stir you, but we can't do it for you. It was never meant to be come to church to praise. Church was meant to be the overflow of a lifestyle of praise. I will rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It wasn't I will rejoice in the Lord Sundays at 11, between 11 and 11.20. No, it was let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It was our responsibility to carry it on our shoulders. So it says, So David went to bring the ark from God, of God from the house of Obed-Edom, 2 Samuel 6, to the city of David. Come on, stand to your feet. He began to bring the presence of God in with rejoicing. Everyone say rejoicing. Come on, say rejoicing. What was the, t- the key to being content? I will rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice when I'm content. I can worship not based on me, but based on His majesty, His glory, His power, His authority, His goodness, His favour, His love, His sacrifice and who Jesus is. So He came to bring it in with rejoicing. And when those who were with, who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken, say with me, six steps, six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf, wearing a linen ephod. It's kind of like a sexy dressing gown. David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. And while all of his might, say that, all of his might, not just a part of him, all of his might. Well, He and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and sounds of trumpets. You see, I looked at it. The distance from Obed-Edom's house to Mount Zion where he was bringing it was around 12 to 15 kilometres. This is around 30,000 steps. So what this means is that every six steps, David stopped and he sacrificed a bull and he began to praise God. That's around 3,500 times. That's a bad day to be an oxen. Holy cow. So every six steps, three and a half thousand times, 15 kilometres of walking. David made a decision. I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna praise God. Why? I think you look into everything and make something, but six in the Bible is the number of man. It's the number of flesh. So every time I go to look at myself, every time I don't feel like praising, every time my emotions and my body begin to take over, I'm just making a decision. I'm living a lifestyle of praise. He was given an example for all of his city. We're gonna be a city that praises. He was making an example for his family. Every time my flesh takes over, I'm going to praise and I'm going to offer a sacrifice of praise. 
days. It's gonna cost me, it's gonna take time, but I need the presence of God in my life if I wanna be utterly content. So David begins the journey. One, two, three, four, five, six. And he says, I will bless the Lord at all times and His praise will continually be on my lips. And he begins to take another step. One, two, three, four, five, six. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. One, two, three, four, five, six. Bless the Lord, all my soul and all that's within me. Praise His holy name. He takes another. One, two, three, four, five, six. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You see, he had to make a decision that if I want the presence of God in my life, if I want to be content, if I want to know all that God has for me as it will be in heaven, now on earth, I enter His gates with thanksgiving. I enter His courts with praise. So come on, body. You're going to clap your hands. You're going to lift your hands. You're going to shout. You're going to declare. You're going to praise. But then my emotions take over. It's okay. I know this would happen. I entered with thanksgiving. I entered with praise. So I declare, He is greater than my fear. He is greater than my worry. He has overcome the world. He has overcome my struggle. He has overcome my fear. The perfect peace of God casts out fear. So I praise Him. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Holy is Your Name. God, You're so good. God, You're so good. And then there comes a moment where I don't need anyone else. I don't need anyone to carry me. I don't need anyone to take me there where I can just be and rest in the wonderful, effortless presence and glory of God. And it's there I worship. It's there songs come from my spirit. It's there I worship in spirit and truth of who Jesus is. And we don't get every moment like that. Sometimes I make it to my outer court. Sometimes I make it to my inner court. But there are days I just need to get to the Holy of Holies. I need my family to live there more. I need our church to live there more. So I make a decision. Let everything within me bless His holy name. I will rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Bless the Lord, all my soul and all that's within me. So why don't we begin to do this right now? Lift your hands right across this place. Clap your hands, all your people. Lift your voice with a shout of triumph. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son Jesus to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes in my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. 
He's a father. He's a friend. And you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm going to say this prayer. And wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what? Maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you. And we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.